Remain standing for the scripture reading. It's one verse this morning out of the epistle of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 11. Every word matters. It's all God's word. Peter, carried along by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. The audience that he was sending it to, he had in mind. But 2,000 years later, these very same words are going to feed our soul. It's God's word. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Children, if you would go ahead and raise your hands, we're going to get you a zest quest. And if you would pass the friendship pad back and forth, it's on the left side, that would be helpful. A couple of very quick announcements. Tonight at 7 o'clock, Pat Hoban is going to be leading a discussion about depression. From 7 to 8.30 across the street in Oaklawn West, it'll go for four weeks. I encourage you that if depression is something that you experience or you have a friend or a loved one who experiences it and you want to know how to help, this would be something that would be very encouraging for you. Also, if you're interested in finding out more about PCPC and joining our church, our next new members class will start next Sunday. Uh, it's at 9.30, room 302-304. All that information you need is in the bulletin for you to look at later today. For now, we're going to go back to 1 Peter 2.11. When we experience as people a physical illness, uh, we are not reluctant to get the help we need. Now, some are more reluctant than others. You may be married to a man or to a woman that needs to go see a doctor, but they won't. And that, that happens. I've been known to be reluctant about certain things. But when it comes to one of my children, uh, if it's beyond the normal cold, if there is a fever that won't go away, if there's signs of something that really is mysterious that, that needs more than us, we are quick to call a doctor. There, there's no reluctance. There's, no, there's just none. We are going to do whatever is necessary to get them the help that they need. That's what we do when it comes to physical things. There's no shame in saying, I've got this or I have that. In fact, every once in a while in one of our worship services, in uh, the last eight years or so as I've been in this position, maybe three times, we have had to stop one of the services because somebody had a medical condition and they needed attention. And so when I was alerted or when I saw it happen, I simply would, would stop the service, whether we were in the middle of music or not, and I would ask the question, is there a doctor in the sanctuary? And usually there is. And that individual would move towards the one who is in physical trouble, and they would begin to tend to that person, getting them whatever help they need. Maybe three times in the last eight years that has happened. That person may have been embarrassed they may have actually said, don't, don't ask for help, but the ones around them knew they needed it. Three times, maybe, in eight years. And it's the right thing to do. Time out, let's pause. And when I'm done, I know it gets distracting in here, doesn't it? You want to know who it is. You want to report. It's hard to continue on with the service, but we do. We do in prayer. We pray for that individual. But three times, maybe, in eight years, that physical need has manifested itself. Every Sunday that we enter into this sanctuary, every person comes in with profound spiritual need. 
Every Sunday that you walk into this place and every Sunday that I walk into this place and stand here or sit out there, I have tremendous need. And the need I have is born out of a war that has been waged. It is the war that Peter is talking about here. It is the war of the passions of the flesh, which he says these passions are waging war against your soul. So my friend, you and I need to hear what we're about to hear. We don't come to this place as people who have a little need. We come to this place every week as a people with a ton of need. Because we're sojourners, Peter says so here. He again picks up the theme. He says that we are sojourners and exiles. And part of the reality of that sojourn and that exile is that we're going to experience the reality of that war, the war of the passions of the flesh. And so what does Peter say about those things? Well, he says that we're to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Here's how important it is to Peter. Peter uses the word urge. Now, whenever the word urge is used, it means this. It means essentially you were saying to those you're communicating with, come here, please. Come by my side. I want to tell you something. Peter is warning them. That's what this urging is. That there is this passion of the flesh which is going to affect their soul. It is going to have consequences that are destructive. Sin doesn't delight in just giving you a bit of misery or discomfort. Sin is meant to ultimately destroy. Later in this letter, near the very end, Peter is going to say, stay alert. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. The passions of the flesh are not meant just to cause this journey to be a bit of a stumble. They're not meant to cause it to be a bit of a detour. There's one purpose, and that purpose is destruction. That purpose is destruction born in disbelief. That's destruction that's born in overwhelming shame. The enemy is at work. This flesh, we all have it, is waging war against our soul. Now, depending on how seriously you believe what I just said, you enter into the sanctuary in one way or the other. One, you enter in as a pers person that's desperate, knowing you have this need, desperate for all the means that God would give us to help us, to encourage us, to heal us, even as we make our journey towards heaven. Or you pretend that the need isn't that great. Maybe it once was in a past life, Maybe it will be in the future, but right now, it's all pretty good. My friends, that's not the reality of where we live. This war being waged against you wants to destroy you. These passions are not meant to, again, simply be discomfort. They're meant to derail your faith. They're meant to cause you to take your eyes off of God and put them on yourself. And that's why it's dangerous, actually, in regards to what Peter says. Peter says, abstain from the passions of your flesh. There's danger in what he's saying. And it's not because of what he's saying, but how we interpret it. What does abstain mean? Abstain means to refrain from. It means to distance yourself from. 
It means to essentially remove yourself from whatever it is that's waging war against your soul. Peter says, abstain from the passions of the flesh. So abstain means to remove ourselves, to distance ourselves, to, to essentially flee from that which is waging war against our soul. Well, what are the things waging war against our soul? He says, passions. So every person that enters into this sanctuary has a passion, or passions, plural. All of us, and these are passions of the flesh. Literally, it could be translated lust of the flesh. Now, immediately we go to one particular type of sin as we hear the word lust. And actually, we should. Because what is happening in the world in which we live regarding sexual sin is an epidemic. My professor in, in at Covenant Seminary, Brian Chapel, says sexual sin in the church is treated like the common cold. It's not the common cold. This sin of pornography, of lust, is destroying so much in our lives. The shame that comes with it. Just let me say it this way, and I'm going to be very specific. The temptation to look at things we shouldn't look at, to have images that come at us when we weren't even asking for it, to hold in our, our hands a device that can take us to untold evil of sexual sin is real. And what it sets off in somebody's brain is so powerful that it's on the highest level of addiction. And so all of a sudden, someone who doesn't really want to be that man or doesn't want to be that woman or doesn't want to be that teenager, doesn't want to be that college student, all of a sudden, they're involved in something that is truly waging war against their soul. And because it's so shameful, and because it's, it's just so wicked, the first thing the enemy does after giving them that glance or that gaze is to say, you can't tell anyone. No one can know that this is your struggle. Because if they know, they will change their view of you. They will think you are, which in a way, guess what? Reveals another passion of the flesh. And that passion of the flesh is, I want people to think well of me. I want them to think I've got it all under control. I want them to think that I don't need the same things that others need. My friends, the passions of the flesh are real for every fallen human being, and that's all of us. In one way or another, there are passions that are waging war against your soul that are seeking to take your eyes off of our glorious Savior and put them on to yourself, even in the way you would battle them. That's why the word abstain is dangerous. You cannot fight flesh with flesh. You can't. So to simply say, in my flesh, I'm going to abstain, I'm going to distance myself, it's not enough. The good news is, you don't have to rely on yourself. As a Christian, you have the glorious, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in your life who is alive, who's in you, who can give you everything necessary to fight against the flesh. Did you know that? You have more than you would ever even need. So do I in the Holy Spirit. But the battle is so real and the passion of the flesh is so intense that in those moments, 
We feel deeply that battle. And so what does Peter say? Abstain. So how do we do that? Okay, I'm going to admit something right now. I want you to take a deep breath. I'm going to be cheesy for just a minute. And it's only to help you remember this. I'm not a big fan of making everything a line or alliteration, whatever, but this is important. I want you to think triple A. Not, not the company. I love the company. It's roadside service. It's the, best, it's the best deal. I've used it twice. It's always paid for itself. But I want you to remember three A's. The first is abstain. The second one is avail. I'll get to the third one in a minute. In order for us to abstain from the passions of the flesh, we must avail ourselves of the means of grace. I'll say it another way. If we don't avail ourselves of the means of grace, we cannot abstain from the passions of the flesh. So in order for us to abstain from all the passions of the flesh, we have to avail ourselves of the means of grace. Well, what are the means of grace? Traditionally, the church has talked about the means of grace being the word of God, the sacraments, and prayer. I believe you could add community to that. A community of people that are availing themselves of the word and of, of the sacraments and prayer. The writer of Hebrews, the preacher of Hebrews said, let us not give up meeting as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, we're all sojourners. Like Chad said so beautifully, coming from 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you're facing, you're not alone. Others in this sanctuary have experienced or are experiencing the same temptation. So it's the word, the sacrament, the Lord's table and baptism, and prayer. We must avail ourselves of all of that in order to abstain from the passions of the flesh. But if we don't think our soul is in danger, and I don't mean now losing salvation, I don't believe you lose salvation, but the consequence of what can happen to your life, even as a believer, is great if you don't abstain. If we don't avail ourselves of these means, we won't be able to abstain. But the only way we will avail ourselves of these means in the intense and purposeful way we should is if we believe there is a true war being waged against our soul. And I'm telling you it's there. I can tell you it's there because the word of God says it. I can tell you it's there because the battle is inside me. I can tell you it's there because of what, what my life looks like as I encourage and shepherd people. It's real. If you don't think it's real, you're not living in reality. It's very real. And so what do we do? How do we avail ourselves of the means of grace? Well, first of all, consider your condition. Be honest. What passion of the flesh right now is waging war on you? Is it the passion of lust? Men, be honest. Women, be honest. Is it the passion to be loved by people? Is it the passion for fame or for power or prestige? Is it the passion of comfort or materialism or greed? 
Is it the passion to have a particular body that looks a certain way? Think about that right now. And how much interest and energy is going towards that? What is it? Name one. That passion is real. How do you battle it? Peter says abstain. How do we abstain? By availing ourselves of the means of grace. But here's the problem. So often, though when it would be a physical condition, we are happy to say, help me right now. Help me. I help my loved one. They, they desperately need a doctor. When it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to the matters of the soul, we are much more reluctant to say, help. I am in trouble. I need help now. Why? Why? When the Word of God tells us that we have all of this in common, why is it that we're so reluctant to say, this journey is hard right now. I'm really struggling with lust. I'm really struggling with whatever it is. Why? It's because deep down underneath all of that, we don't really want people to think we are as needy as we are. And when we think that way, we resist giving ourselves to the means that he's given us. Which, you know, it's interesting. The word abstain means to remove yourself from. The word avail means to give yourself to. So in order for us to abstain from these passions, we must give ourselves to the means that God's given us. What are they? The word, the sacrament, which we're about to come to this table, and prayer. I want to talk about prayer for just a moment. You know, the church has always had the word of God, but the church didn't always have Bibles. I, I'm going to guess, but I imagine in my office there are 40 Bibles. We have a bookstore full of them. I bet you have a house full of them too. What a gift. We have the word of God so easily accessible. You can listen to preachers that you love from all over the world. You can read Spurgeon sermons. You can go further back than that. The church has always had the word of God, but for a long, long time, it was just passed on through oral tradition. The church has always had prayer. And though our accessibility to the word of God has changed over time, prayer has never changed. It is exactly the same. The people of God talking to the living God. The people of God listening for the voice of God to the powerful work of the Spirit. That's amazing. So prayer is powerful. Prayer works. When someone says, how can I pray for you? Or when someone says, I am praying for you, pause for a moment and think about what that means. That means that somebody is going to the living God and saying, this is what my friend needs. This is what I long for my, fr for my friend. You're talking to God the very one whose hands shaped that individual in you, you are communicating with him. Prayer is a powerful means of grace. And sometimes a church, though it would say it's committed to prayer, could say, well, we've lost our intensity in prayer, our focus in prayer. 
we are going to start something today that is going to begin to become a normal reality of our worship services. And that is that the elders and women leaders in this church are going to be available to pray for you during, near the end of each worship service. As long as I've been here, we've always invited people to go into the parlor and, and get prayer. That's still gonna be an option. But that's actually a long ways away. And there's steps to go up. And there's a crowd of people getting coffee and water. And for somebody who truly is broken and in need of prayer, that's a, that's a long journey, isn't it? And so Sunday after Sunday now, in this corner and in this corner, somewhere up the side aisles and in the back, we are gonna have people wearing a name tag, this color, it's blue, who are ready to simply stand there and pray with you whatever it is you feel the need to pray about. Now, right now you're thinking, that is really wonderful. It, you should think that because it is. People are going to be talking to the living God on behalf of one another. You don't need a pastor to do it. You don't need a priest to do it. Jesus is our high priest. He's living to intercede on our behalf right now. The Holy Spirit is interceding too. It's pretty awesome if you think about it. But there's also another temptation. As much as you think that's wonderful, there's another side of it saying, for other people. It's wonderful for those who really have those kind of needs that Mark is talking about. Well, what kind of needs am I talking about? I'm talking about every need. I'm talking about every battle, every form of struggle that you might be experiencing as an individual, as a couple. My friends, we are offering to go before the Lord on your behalf with you. If you won't come for that, and I'm not saying you should every week, there's something in you that's saying, I need to keep this to myself. I'm not comfortable with other people knowing. I get that. But do you know what that is? That's a passion of the flesh. And we all have them. God has given us everything we need to battle those passions. God has given us everything we need to abstain from the passions of the flesh. The only way we can is by availing ourselves of the means of grace. Abide is the third A. In John 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. This relationship we have with the Lord is an abiding relationship. And when we are in the vine and, and he is in us, fruit is born. What kind of fruit? Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit, as opposed to what? The bad fruit of the flesh. And so we abstain by availing ourselves of the means of grace through this abiding relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. So when prayer is offered in the way I'm describing, as a member of this church, there are going to be moments when you simply need to stand next to somebody and say, will you pray for me? Now I want you to know something. This is very important. There are going to be times where I must take this blue name tag off and turn towards someone wearing one or really any of you who profess faith in Christ and say, I need prayer. Pastors are perhaps the most vulnerable at thinking 
They have to have it all together. Well, I think you know by now I don't. And if you don't know that, it's because you don't know me that well. I do not have it all together, and this side of heaven I never will. But I know this much. I need you to pray, and I need to pray. We need to pray for one another. The more I understand the depth of these passions in my own flesh that wage war against my soul, the more eager I am to refrain and run from. But the more wise I am that I cannot do it except by availing myself of his means. Every Sunday, these means are gonna be available to you. We're going to give you them that you might be encouraged on this journey. This morning, along with prayer and the word, we have this table. My friends, this table is for you if you are a believer in Jesus. It is for you to come and to taste and to feel and to smell and to see that Christ sacrificed himself for you. Christ abstained perfectly. Christ availed himself of his relationship with the Father perfectly. Jesus abided in that relationship. You know what Jesus taught us? He taught us to pray. Do you know why Jesus prayed? He needed to. If Jesus needed to pray, I need to pray. My friends, this table is for you. If you're not a Christian though, if you can say right now in your heart, I know I don't know the Lord, I've never professed faith in Christ, then I would pray right now that this would be the moment that you would say, I'm not gonna abstain from that relationship anymore. I'm going to confess my sin to Jesus. I'm gonna trust him right now for salvation. And though you might not understand what all that means, if you long to know him, talk to somebody you came with or someone wearing a blue badge or any name tag and say, what does it mean to become a Christian? I promise they'll tell you. If they won't, ask the next person until somebody will. But if that's not where you are today, I want to invite you to remain in your seat and not come forward. For the word of God tells us that we will eat and drink judgment on ourselves if we don't, or if we come in a way that's not appropriate. So give thought to all you've heard. For those who are in Christ, my dear friends, this is your feast. It's what he has given you. Let's pray. Lord, we know that this is true for all of us that the battle's real, that the victory is real too, it's secure. But this side of heaven on this exile and sojourn, we feel it. So God, would you use the, the elements now that we are about to partake of to set our hearts right with you, to feed our soul. And Lord, as we know there are those around us willing to pray, if that's what we need right now, and it is, give us the courage to pause and let us lift these needs up together in the name of Christ. Amen.